Thank you, babe. You're awesome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, don't, I can't see. You see me every day. Well, good. You can see underneath. Okay. Romans 10:17. So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We've heard this quite a bit, haven't we? Over and over and over and over again. But that's the way it is in the world with all the messages and the, uh, all that, the advertisements. We're bom- we are w- bombarded with them every single day. When you drive to work, you go by the same businesses, you go by the same billboards, and they have the same advertisement. You see it day after day after day. If you listen to your favorite radio station, they have the same ads playing every two or three, every hour, all the time. If you watch your favorite TV shows, you see the same stupid jack-in-the-box mini sirloin stupid burger thing. Yes, I am not into that. Tom loves it. Yeah, yeah, no. Anyway, and he loves to stop it and replay it and stop it and replay it because he knows I don't like it at all for some reason. It's just not my thing. But you hear these things, you see these things day after day after day. And it doesn't take a lot of wisdom but to figure out that companies are not just going to buy one advertising spot because they know that it won't do the thing. They realize that just the one advertisement would not be enough. It would be a big waste of their time and money, and nobody would be impacted or influenced or changed by seeing or hearing just the one spot. That's what we learn from Romans 10:17. We learn that faith cometh and cometh and cometh and cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. Once isn't enough. Twice isn't enough. Maybe by the third time you're starting to get it. I know it's that way with me with the three services. I don't have to be here three services. But I know that each service I'm here, I'm going to get something different. Even if it's the same word spoken, I know it's going to hit a different nerve, or touch something different in me. Three times, it's just maybe you're just starting to get it. Tom and I came across a book. It was given to him, and we both picked it up, and we're reading it and going over it and studying it. And it's a lot of fun to do that together because we can have like a common thread to uh, push each other's buttons with and pull things out of each other. And it's kind of fun that he gave me the platform today because I figure what I have to say here in the next maybe 15, 20 minutes, I know you're going to get it. And he's going to try to do the same thing over the next two or three months. But I know that today you will get it. It'll be awesome, right? Great, great. So repetition is the key to learning. The more we hear something, the better our mind is at wrapping itself around that particular piece of information. What we allow ourselves to hear over and over again will be the basis upon which we build our belief system. Because we know that faith cometh by hearing. Hearing God's truth builds up our foundation of faith. However, that's not all we hear. Our ears don't always hear the truth. Because we always hear words and information that is contrary to the truth also. And it's being poured into our hearts on a daily basis as well. We've learned that these words are seeds, and any word that contradicts the truth is a seed that won't produce faith. It's the opposite of faith. Our enemy is skilled at using these seeds to strip us of our ability to walk in the truth through growing a harvest of fear. 
Fear is the opposite of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing, and so does fear. Fear comes by hearing and hearing and hearing those words that contradict the word of God. What occurs in the lives of so many of us is that we are bombarded with that message of fear. And our attempt to com combat that fear is with a little tiny dose of the word of God or a little tiny dose of faith. And this creates quite a problem for those of us trying to attempt to, create, to live the Christian life. Half of learning is learning. So what then is the other half? It's unlearning. Unfortunately, that unlearning is twice as hard. It's kind of like driving down the road on a trip and you miss your exit on the freeway, which means you have to go all the way down to the next exit, turn around, and come back. So not only is it twice as hard, but it also takes twice as long because every mile you go in the wrong direction, you're making a two-mile error. It's harder to get those old thoughts out of our head than it is to get the new thoughts in. If we've received those thoughts of fear for six and a half days out of the week and then we take a half a day and come to church and try to build, put that faith in us, that's not, the harvest of faith isn't what we're going to be reaping. We're going to reap that harvest of fear. When I think about that, I think about the kids and their school schedules. Day in and day out. They get up, they have maybe half an hour in the mornings to get up and get going, and then they take off for school, and they're there. Um, a short day is seven hours, and then if they have you know, any kind of sports or after-school activities, they can be up there up to 10 hours a day, and they're not getting the words of God. They're not getting the words of truth, and then they come to church. They get maybe two hours on a Wednesday evening, maybe a couple hours again on the weekend, and it's not enough word being put into them that that's what they stand on this is a challenge i believe jesus faced if we study his teachings we'll realize that learning wasn't his primary goal his primary goal was unlearning he was reverse engineering religious minds and those i know can be the toughest to change that's why two phrases he repeated over and over again in the sermon on the mount he said, you have heard that it was said, but I tell you. What was he saying and doing? He was uninstalling Old Testament concepts and upgrading them with New Testament truths. He said, you have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. He also said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who perse persecute you. Half of spiritual growth is learning what we don't know. The other half is unlearning what we do know. And it's the failure to unlearn irrational fears that keep us from becoming who God wants us to be. Think about these issues that Jesus was attempting to deal with. He said, you have heard it said, but I say... And if we're not careful, I believe we turn it around. We come to church and it goes something like this. It says, the word of God says, oh, but I think or I say. Rather than recognizing those seeds of contradiction and unlearning the old beliefs, we attempt to justify ourselves and override that word of God. James 1, uh, Matthew 7, 
there's several chapters in Deuteronomy and uh, many other places in the Word of God inform us to receive the Word and then do it, act on it. Deuteronomy says when we hear and do, it will go well with us. Victory is almost impossible for the believer who only hears the Word, especially when it's such just a little bit. It isn't until we begin to do, and it isn't until we begin to put action to the word that we begin to see it operate in our lives as intended by God. Seeds must be planted before they grow. You have to put action. You have to physically do something with that seed. You have to physically plant it in the ground. Takes action before it can grow. And it's the same way with the word of God. You have to act on it. This is the manifestation of the harvest, action. Why is it so difficult for us to act on the Word of God? I think it's probably because we're so busy acting on everything else that we have put in our lives, the stuff that isn't from the Word of God. Those words of fear, we're filled with fear. If we were filled with faith, we'd be living, acting, and doing the Word of God. When I, when I think of fear, I often think of those scary horror flicks, those things I don't like to go see, the boys love them, I don't like them. So you think, oh, fear is those scary movies, those big monsters or whatever they are. But it's not. It's really just something that contradicts God's word. It contradicts our faith. In the book that Tom and I um, were reading, uh, a couple uh, psychiatrists were quoted and they were talking about the fears that we're born with. And really, there's only two of them. Babies are only born with two fears. There's the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. And you think of babies, you think of toddlers, what are they afraid of? They're not afraid of anything. They're not afraid of cars. They're not afraid of busy streets. They're not afraid of those creepy, crawly, slimy, squishy, nasty things that they bring to you and say, look, look, isn't this wonderful? They're not afraid of anything, which means that those fears that they have or that you have, that's learned behavior. You have learned those fears, which means that fear can be unlearned. And I thought, when I thought about this, it is so true. It's so true. They can be unlearned. When I had read this, I uh, just come back from a walk with our dog, and no sooner that I had taken off out of the driveway than a whole bunch of other dogs came around. And of course, now that I think about it, all they wanted to do was play. And, uh, but for some reason, I was just, my heart started pounding and I was like, okay, I'm just ready to go back to the house now. Don't need to go for a walk. No fun. We'll just go back to the house. And I thought for a moment, and I thought, why, why is this all of a sudden like this? Because I've been raised with animals ever since I was Little girl had animals, all sorts of animals, cats, dogs, horses, cows, pigs, chickens, whatever there was, we had them. And I have never, ever been afraid of any of them. And so I got to thinking, why then, all of a sudden, am I afraid to go for a simple little walk with a dog? And it dawned on me, a couple years ago, we had, um, Tom decided he wanted a little puppy. Only she wasn't a little puppy, she was a St. Bernard. She was at first, well, I guess they're not really little at first. She was medium-sized, and she grew to be quite big. And she was a wonderful dog. I absolutely fell in love with her. But she was very, very protective. And I guess we just didn't study enough on the, um, the breed and their, uh, I can't think of the word I'm trying to say, but their, um, 
temperament. That's it. Thank you. And they can be, they are very, very protective. And she was. And a lot of them sometimes are not um, very social. And that's not a good mix with our family. Because we are very social. And we go someplace, the dogs go someplace. So, and around us and our family, she was fine. We didn't have any problems with her. She'd get excited and jump. But other than that, she was fine. But whenever we took her out, and we took her to dog training classes and all sorts of things, and they would tell us, oh, take her for walks and get her acclimated to all these other dogs. And we always thought, yeah, right. You don't know what we go through every time we take her for a walk. Because she was very, very aggressive, and she didn't want any other dog or any other person coming around us. And it's not very fun to take this big, massive dog out that you want to show off or have fun with, and they're not happy about it or excited or want to tear somebody up. I remember um, with, I went for a walk with TJ, took him to the skate park so he could skateboard and lay in there on the grass, and you'd think you'd be relaxing, and the next thing you know, she'd dart and try to take off, and if you didn't have that leash, you, I knew she would be long gone. And we stopped at a grocery store. Um, I remember this, I believe it was with you, Kim, and you came up to TJ, I was in the grocery store, and she went after you, and then when we came, when I came out of the grocery store, she was sitting there, and we were all talking, it was like she was a different dog, and everything was fine, until Kim turned around to leave, and then again, she lunged at her, and I thought, you know, if I didn't have a hold on her, she, I know for certain she would have got her, and I believe that was learned fear. I learned from just that short amount of time, and we didn't have her that long, maybe had her um, six or eight months, but it took that short amount of time to put that fear in me, that okay, I now for some reason have a tough time walking any dog, and that is wrong. I have to go back and find a way to unlearn that fear. Um, why is it so hard for us to unlearn things? Why is it so hard for us to get those negative thoughts out of our minds? It's because we don't act on the new things that we're putting into ourselves. We don't act on those new beliefs. We know what the Bible says. We know what God says. But just knowing isn't enough. We have to act on it. Right? You think about kids. They are being taught day in and day out. They know. Teachers are putting stuff into them. They are being taught stuff. But if they don't put it down on paper, test time, or whatever else, they're not going to graduate. They're not going to pass that class. We're all educated in God's word. It's, there are so many reasons for which you possess that um, information. But we don't always utilize that information. We don't put it to work. We just put it up in our head and save it for Bible trivial pursuit or something like that. We have to act on it. Matthew seven twenty four through 27 says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which builds his house upon a rock. Anyone who hears and does is a wise builder. Anyone who hears and doesn't do is foolish. It's very possible that we can be very educated fools. We know, our kids know, we teach them, stay away from alcohol. They know and we teach them to stay away from drugs. They know and we teach them to obey their parents. But just knowing isn't enough. 
if they don't act on what they know, it's not because they're evil, it's not because they're bad, it's because they've made a foolish decision. And their life will not be right. Ladies, you know what it says in Ephesians 5.22. It says to be subject, be submissive, and adapt yourself to your own husbands as a service to the Lord. But just knowing that isn't enough. You have to act on it. You have to put action to your knowing. Taking what you know and doing it is a major function in that process of unlearning. Gathering the knowledge is important, but that knowledge only transforms into wisdom once we begin to act upon it. Men, you know what the Bible says in Ephesians 5.25. It says to love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. Put action to that knowing. Unlock your power of wisdom. If you know what God says about your role as a husband and you don't do it, your wife is married to a fool. That's what the Bible says. Amen? We hear what God says, and then we follow it up with, oh, but I think, or I say. It's time we uncover that issue. We're not evil. We're just a little bit foolish. Where do you think this foolishness came from? It comes from all those words that are contradictory to God's word. Remember that fear cometh and cometh and cometh and cometh by hearing the words that contradict the truth. We've taken in so much of that fear seed that we're living in the middle of a huge fear harvest. We possess a fear that God's word won't really produce what God promised. If we didn't possess this fear, there would be no power keeping us from acting on God's word. 1 John 4.18 describes the end goal of our relationship with God. It says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth cast out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made in perfect love. There's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. The goal of love is fearlessness. As we grow in our love relationship with God, we unlearn the fears that paralyze us and neutralize us spiritually. That's what faith is. Faith is the word of God, and that word empowers us to overcome all of our fears. The only God-ordained fear there is is the fear of God. And if we fear God, then we don't have to fear anyone or anything else. Unlearning our fears is really the process of learning to trust in God. Also in that book, it talked about these fears, and it talked about the two most common fears. The first most common fear is the fear of public speaking. Go figure that one out. The second most common fear is the fear of death, which would make a person think that some people would rather die than speak in public. It's a good thing I overcame that one. I have no fear there. <laughs> Why do you think that is? I think, I think a lot of the reason is the fear of looking foolish. And that hits home with me because I have never, ever been one to like to be up here and speak in front of people. 
in our speech class in high school that it was combined with my English class, so I had to take it. There was no getting out of it. I, I think nowadays you can take maybe speech class as an option. It would never have been an option for me. But I had to do it to pass my English class. And I could remember, I can remember the day that I had to give my speech. And it was the most awful day. Because it's one of the only days I remember in high school. <laughs> but I did not like it. I did not like it at all. I, could, I can remember going up there and standing up there and thinking, oh, all those kids that are whispering among themselves, although there weren't that many, 17, I think, all those kids are talking about me. They're, you know, not liking what I have to say and uh, talking about the zits on my face or wh whatever, you know. You'd, I just knew they were talking about me, and they didn't like what I had to say. And I, and I knew once I sat down that everybody else that went before me and after me was way, way better than I was. I've never been a person to be one to be in the front. I've always been one that will push you, I will help you, I will push you to succeed. You go, you can do it, I'm behind you, I'll support you. That's the way I am. But there came a time in my life that I had to realize that God put me in this position. And I had to unlearn those fears. I'm still in the process of unlearning those fears and set them aside and say, okay, God, who cares what people think? Who cares what people are saying? I am here to do what you have told me to do. I am here to put action to your words. And I know that that fear, I know that there's others here in the room that have fear. And I think the fear of looking foolish keeps a lot of us from doing what God has called us to do. I think the fear of looking foolish keeps... Um, Keep some of you from maybe praying for others, afraid of what they might think, what they might say. I think the fear of looking foolish may keep some of you from uh, going to a boss and maybe asking for a job promotion, fear of what they may say. I think the f fear of looking foolish might uh, keep some women from being the wife that God has called you to be. Maybe they're fearful of losing themselves, of not having de the desires of their heart or whatever. And I'm here to tell you that is not true. I think that for men, maybe the fear of looking foolish for being the husband that God has called you to be and loving your wife and giving yourself to her maybe will make you look sissified or something in your buddy's eyes or whatever. I think the fear of looking foolish will keep people from, uh, at their workplace from inviting others to church, afraid of what people might say about them, afraid of what people might uh, talk about, about them. But I also believe that Noah looked foolish when he built his, uh, that ark out in the middle of the desert, telling everybody it's going to rain, there's going to be a flood. I think Sarah looked foolish when she bought maternity clothes at age 90. I think David looked foolish when he took his little rock and his little slingshot and went out there to fight a giant. I think Peter looked foolish when he stepped out on the water in the middle of the lake thinking he was going to walk on water. And I think Jesus might have looked foolish hanging half naked on the cross. But what they did, they did because of their faith. Noah was saved from the flood. Sarah gave birth to Isaac. David defeated Goliath. Peter walked on the water. And Jesus rose from the grave. <clears throat> Knowing and not doing is foolishness. 
God wants to bless us. But like it says in James 1.22, if we just listen and don't do anything, we betray ourselves into deceptions by reasons contrary to the f- truth. Foolishness is the absence of wisdom. I never, if you never use the knowledge that you possess, you're just a very intelligent fool. When knowledge is used and you're applying it to life, you shift to the realm of wisdom. I believe the most foolish act there is, is not being willing to look foolish. God chooses the foolish things to confound the wise. And if we aren't willing to look foolish for him, then he won't and he can't use us. We need to unlearn all of those fears that we have learned and be willing to look foolish for God. Our fear of looking foolish, I believe, is not a real fear. It's just what we are perceiving. It's just our, it's all up here in our heads. Because a lot of times what we think other people are thinking or other people are saying is so way off base. It's just what we have put into our head. It's our own perception that's been construed in a mind that is flooded with untruth. The truth is, the only thing that truly looks foolish is possessing the knowledge of truth and not acting on it. Don't you, dis- want, don't you want to disarm the enemy in your life? Wouldn't you like to release yourself from the bondages of fear and step into the power and freedom of truth? It isn't difficult. It can be scary. I know that. But it isn't difficult. And all you need to do is locate that fear and act on it. Do what the Bible says to do. Mothers, on Mother's Day weekend, let's allow God to set us free. Let's do what the Bible tells us moms to do. Let's honor our husbands. Let's adapt ourselves to him. Let's find new ways to speak life and blessing into our children. Get creative. As we go about our daily routine, get in agreement with the Word of God. Confess the Word of God over your husband, over your children. When you're doing the dishes, doing the laundry, quote Isaiah 54:13 that says, All my children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of my children. Let's begin to activate God's Word in our life. Let's use what we already know and do something that we've never done before. Let's walk out God's word. Let's watch those chains dissolve in the love of God. Amen. Amen. You know, hearing this three times, I've learned some things. And... It keeps coming up in my spirit. You know the Bible says, of what spirit are ye? Isn't it interesting that the thing that you connect to is also the thing that's given the greatest level of influence over you? So in other words, if uh, just take fear uh, or freedom. You know, uh, in worship, are you, are you more influenced by people who stand silent I'm going to be like, because now I'm in agreement with that. Or are you more 
influenced by people who demonstrate freedom. Of what spirit are you? You know, and I'm thinking about you know. I even look at uh, I even look at the guys on the team, and one of the one of the huge battles that they have to deal with is in the arena of looking foolish. I think that sometimes we're so afraid to just worship openly because we think we got to hit every note or we got to strum every chord just right or or we got to keep everything just just perfect. We, you know, we don't want to sing the o o o o part because we're going to look like a nut. And that fear that fear gets great agreement from people who are of that same spirit and we become more influenced by that you, you know if, if if wisdom stood in front of you what 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 harvest would wisdom suggest you expect a harvest of fear or a harvest of faith what do you got coming your way today i think we ought to break every chain i think we ought to get totally free from all the fear that has been dictating and controlling our life. Some of you, you don't even walk the life you should walk in, in your relationship with God out of the fear of foolishness. And it's just crazy, you know, that we let that thing dictate our steps when we have the right to be in total unity with God, in agreement, seeing God do great and marvelous things in our lives. I got to chase him every day, and, and, and I'm not, uh, I'm not, listen, make sure you hear the, the, the heart of what I'm saying. I, I live every day, though, with the blessing of God in my life. Dude, everywhere, I, it doesn't make any difference what we're doing. We know at the end of the day, today, we're going to be better than we started the day at. Every day, I mean, there's what comes against us, and we have crap that happens, okay? But at the end of the day, we're in better shape. You know, at, at the end of the week, at the end of a hard week, we're, we're going to be in better condition than we were at the beginning of the week because it's the blessing of God. The Lord has been mindful of us. He has blessed us, positioned us to win or succeed in every situation. And having that, having that realization, that understanding that I don't have to be afraid about what's coming. I don't have to be afraid about what somebody else is thinking. And I don't have to be afraid of, of what you guys are going to do. I can preach what God tells me to preach and not be afraid if you're going to quit coming or not. Because, well, because just because of what I know, I know that you cannot consistently perform a test that's inconsistent with your character. So I know some of you won't be back on a regular basis. You haven't been here on a regular basis yet. So I don't have to be manipulated by fear. You know what I want for you? That I want the freedom. That you can go home today, that you can go to work this week and not be intimidated by fear, but you can be motivated by faith in the Word of God. Amen? I want you to close your eyes and bow your head. We're just going to pray. If you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Tom, that's me. I've been intimidated by fear. I let what other people think dictate my thought life. And I'm not even positive what they think. Most of the time, I just let what they think, what I think they think. I let fear keep me separated from God. I, I let fear keep me from walking in obedience to God. I let fear stop me in my tracks. And today, I want a relationship with the love of God. First Timothy says that love casts out all fear. There's not going to be any fear in the presence of God. If you're in the presence of God who is love, that perfect love is going to 
perfect itself by driving out every fear. Today, if you're here, in just a minute, we're all going to pray a prayer together. But if you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor, I don't have right relationship with God. And I want to start today the relationship with God that will just break every chain of bondage, that will release me from every fear. I want a relevant relationship with Jesus Christ today. Are you here today? Would you hold your hand up so I can see it? Well, no one's looking around. Eyes are closed. Heads are bowed. I, I want relevant relationship with God, and I want to start today. Just lift your hand up and say, include me in this prayer. 